Hello, Miami Dolphin fans. Welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show, now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. And just like that, the Miami Dolphins, who started out 3-0, have fallen to 500, having now dropped four of their last five games. And everybody who was telling us that this team is different, and this is something different, and this is not the same old Dolphins, we told them that they needed to pump the brakes and that there was still plenty of time for this team to, in fact, show itself to be the same old Dolphins. And lo and behold, that is what has happened. A second straight putrid performance by the Miami Dolphins defense. Um, Brock Osweiler showing himself to be who he really is. We, we were sort of waiting for a performance like this from Brock Osweiler. It was, he was not particularly effective in this game. He didn't look particularly good. Uh, threw a whole bunch of passes away, just seemed to be having trouble making decisions. It was just a bad look. Not to say that there weren't positives in this game because there were Devontae Parker in a game where pretty much the consensus was that he was going to have to put on a show in order for him to either save his job or enhance his trade value. Ends up with six receptions for 134 yards, the best single game of his professional career thus far. Um, and, you know, some other positives as well, being that the Dolphins were actually able to develop a little bit of a run game. Uh, they ended up with 116 yards on the ground in this game against the the Houston defense, and I think they probably could have gotten more. They just found themselves in a situation where they were way behind, and they found themselves getting involved in a shootout with the Houston Texans because of the fact that their defense could not stop the the Texans, and it allowed Deshaun Watson, who had been struggling, who had been sacked 27 times in his team's first seven games. They allowed him to find his footing. They did not sack him once. And Deshaun Watson ends up throwing for 239 yards on 16 completions with five touchdowns, a finishing with a QB rating of 156.0. And the, my favorite stat in this game, in, in highlighting how ineffective the Dolphins' defense was, Deshaun Watson threw more touchdown passes than incomplete passes in this game. It was truly a spectacularly bad performance by the Dolphins' defense, a showing that now sees them drop to 4-4, four and four, and they come back to Hard Rock Stadium where they will take on their division rivals, the hated, putrid, disgusting New York Jets. But before we get to that, which we will do later on in the week or early next week as we're recording this on a Friday a Friday review show. Normally we do a fi- Friday preview show, but we get the Friday review show this week. Brain, give us your thoughts on the stink bomb the Dolphins dropped in Texas. This team is bad. This team is not okay. This team is bad. And I don't know that it's necessarily all lack of talent. I don't know that it's necessarily all poor coaching. It's a combination of the two. But this team is bad, and this defense is really bad. Over the past month, 
you know, in this stretch where they've lost four out of five games, the defense has had quarters and halves where it's played well and it's looked good. And it's had games where it's just looked awful. And in the quarters and halves where it's looked good, it's been the first halves of games where the opposing coach has figured things out somewhere along the line, somewhere during the game, and has eventually exposed the defense and has had their way with him. This this defense is just getting ripped to shreds over and over and over again. And for all the talk about how injured the Dolphins are and people that want to say that injuries are the reason that the Dolphins are struggling so much in this stretch, the majority of the injuries that this team is uh, suffering from are on the offensive side of the football, on the offensive line, at quarterback, and at wide receiver. There aren't a ton of, of injuries on the defense. In fact, they've been getting guys back on their defense over the last couple of weeks, and the defense is playing worse. There has been some debate as far as whether or not this defense is actually talented or whether it's just or whether it is talented and it's just poor coaching i tend to think look i i don't think that it's got the talent to be an elite defense by any stretch but there are those that believe that this is one of the better secondaries from a talent standpoint in the league and a defensive line that although it has had its issues and it's had its injuries that it's had to deal with has some talent there and despite having two rookie linebackers who have been up and down maybe more down than up Kiko Alonso is having a really good year and while I don't think that Kiko Alonso is an elite outside linebacker he's definitely a pretty good outside linebacker he's not a middle linebacker the way he played last year he played out of position and he was dreadful at middle linebacker But he went back to his natural position as an outside linebacker this year, and he's been making plays. And yeah, he'll have his his, uh, instances where he gets lined up in coverage, and it's a bad matchup because he's not the greatest linebacker in coverage. But by and large, he's been pretty good, and he hasn't really been the problem. So if you're you're pretty talented, let's say you're averagely talented on the D-line, and Maybe you're below average at linebacker, but you're supposed to have, you know, one of the better secondaries in the league. How is this defense in the bottom five in the NFL? Because after last night's game, they are currently the third worst defense in allowing yards per play in the NFL. And they are the third worst defense in yards allowed per pass attempt. They are in the bottom third of the league in rushing yards allowed per attempt. This is a bad defense. So I tend to think it's more on the D coordinator than anything else because I think that there's talent there. Again, I don't think they're world beaters by any stretch of the imagination, but there is no excuse for this defense being as bad as it's been for these last five games. It really has been atrocious, and it does sort of beg the question uh, whether this is purely on the coordinator or whether it's on the players as well. There's been 
an enormous number of missed tackles and the Dolphins are dealing with uh, a linebacker core McMillan and uh, Jerome Baker. These are young linebackers who are more often than not taking the bait and falling for every fake, every play action, every, anytime there's an opportunity for them to take the bait, they're getting faked out of their shoes, which is problematic, but they're also just missing a lot of tackles. So many of these big runs that the Dolphins are giving up are just because they've got opportunities to tear guys down after one or two yards but they're failing to make the tackles. So it's not just a failure when it comes to scheme, and it has to be a failure in scheme to a certain extent, but it's also a failure on the players. Why are these guys so wide open? Why are Will Fuller and and DeAndre Hopkins, how are they so wide open all the time? These guys are running around the field in like literally 10 yards of space. Yeah, and and look, I was concerned about that matchup between Fuller and McCain, and and that showed. Uh, not only did Fuller get a deep touchdown where he beat McCain, he also had one where he beat McCain deep, and McCain got tagged with a with a pass interference because he basically just had to hold on for dear life because he was beaten so bad. But then there were also plays where where guys were just wide open, and that's just blown assignments poor technique and it just seems like you not only are guys out of position but young guys don't seem to be getting better which is that's always a sign of coaching and it just it, they just look an absolute mess they look lost out there at times and look Houston's got some talent and Detroit last week they've got some talent it's not that these teams aren't talented but it's the NFL you're going to go up against talented teams and talented players virtually every week but it is just a disturbing trend now when you look at the last 5 games and every team has scored at least 27 points and now I know that that Cincinnati game you had uh, a defensive touchdown and uh Maybe it was two defensive touchdowns, uh, and so that one maybe it's it's skewed a little bit. But the defense was not was was awful in the fourth quarter of that game when they were given when they were staked to a, a two or three score lead and just let the Bengals drive all the way down the field. And the other games in that in this five game stretch, the defense was just torn to shreds. I mean the Patriots destroyed them. The Bears couldn't do anything in the first half and then still put up 28 points in the second half on this defense. The Lions and the Texans the last two weeks have been unstoppable. And and those are not two of the best defenses in the league. They're good. They've got talent, but there's just something wrong here because this defense should not be this bad. And yet, here we are. The Dolphins just getting torn to shreds left and right everywhere you go. And really now the conversation has shifted to is Matt Burke going to be in a job when the Dolphins next take the field in a week and a half against the New York Jets? And at this point, it it seems unlikely. Gase was largely noncommittal after the game, uh, but it seems like, you know, the, listen, the pressure's on. Something has got to change with this team. And having lost four or five and this defense has just sort of fallen off a cliff, if something needs to change, 
a lot of times that's it. There's not, it's not like there's more players out there that they can just get rid of. They can't cut bait like they normally do. And maybe they'll find somebody to blame and they'll cut, cut a player. But at this point, it looks like it needs to be a little bit larger head to roll. It needs to be Matt Burke because we, you know, one thing that we've learned about Adam Gase, he's very, he's not going to blame himself for it. It's never his fault. <laughs> no, it never Adam Gase's fault. So uh, that actually reminds me of, a, of an interesting tweet that was sent out today by uh, our friends at the Five Reasons Sports Network, at Five Reasons Sports on Twitter. Here's something that they tweeted out. Are you ready, Brain? Lay it on me. Joe Philbin threw 40 games, 20 and 20 record. His team scored 106, uh, 816 points for 803 points against, a difference of plus 13. Adam Gase threw 40 games with the Miami Dolphins, a 20 and 20 record, 818 points for, almost exactly, 992 points against, a wow. difference of negative 174. And that is between Vance Joseph and Matt Burke. And look, I'm not a fan of either of those two defensive coordinators. And, you know, Vance Joseph has gone to Denver and that defense went from being elite to very average when he went there. But at the end of the day, it's Adam Gase choosing these guys and the buck stops with the head coach. And you could change your defense, your, you know, all these coaching changes that they made in the offseason to improve certain things. And you you can do all these things and you can get rid of the players that quote unquote aren't buying in or aren't fitting your culture. But at the end of the day, the results are the results. And Adam Gase, who so many Dolphin fans were, were just completely sold on that he was going to completely change the culture and that he was this genius coach, people calling him the next Don Shula. And, and and there were more than a few, and I mean, like, not just fanboys, but like reputable journalists that were bought in to Adam Gase being this next brilliant coach. Like, he was going to be the next Bill Belichick. And I'm sorry, but we're two and a half seasons in now, and he's a 500 coach. He's no better than Joe Philbin. He's no better than Tony Sperano. And it's not like he has this other track record where you can say, you know, he just you just need to give him time because he's got this track record. He's a proven guy. What he what he has done here, that's his track record. And to me, he looks like a 500 coach. I mean, that's what his record is at this point. And I had somebody uh, come at me on Twitter and said, it's not fair to compare Gase to Joe Philbin. And I said, but it is though, because the results are exactly the same. Because <laughs> well, when you come amazing. in, when you come in and you say, first of all, they're in the same position. First of all, Gase, you know, next Gase was the one who was supposed to, was charged with coming in and turning the operation around and turning this team into a winner. And yes, any kind of argument like this, you have to temper it with the idea that Adam Gase went out of his way to bring in Jay Cutler as his backup quarterback and to, to be his starter in 2017 when Tannehill went down in the preseason. You, you, you have to temper it with that context. But again, Gase went out of his way to get 
Jay Cutler. He could, he had Matt Moore right there. He could have just ridden with Matt Moore and ended up where he ended up that season. But he went out of his way to bring in Jay Cutler because in his mind, that was going to give the Dolphins just as good a chance to compete as they would have had had he had Ryan Tannehill in place. So he brings in Jay Cutler, which which was, I mean, an unmitigated disaster. And then, so that season was a wash. And now you've got this season where, and then you have this, the, the other important thing. And when it comes to context, and we've talked about it on this show before, is that they went into this past off season knowing that quarterback was going to be an issue. And rather, and that there was going to be a giant question mark on Ryan Tannehill and his ability to stay healthy. But rather than going out and drafting a quarterback, somebody that could be the future of the franchise, they said, no, we're going all in on Tannehill. He's going to be our quarterback. We're going to go out. We're going to bring in Brock Osweiler to be our backup because that's a guy I know that I'm familiar with. And if t- anything happens to Tannehill, that's who I'm riding with. Well, we saw in this game that... Brock Osweiler is not the guy. I mean, he's not, certainly not a guy to, to carry the Dolphins forward to any kind of success or expectation of success. Osweiler was 21 of 37 for 241 yards and a pick. His QB rating was 25.3 in the game. Those numbers really, I don't even think reflect kind of how bad he was in this game. He was just, he was undecisive. Anytime there was pressure on him, he would sort of roll out and then just throw the ball away, where in instances where if Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback, and this is certainly not to make a case for Ryan Tannehill, because Tannehill is what Tannehill is, but one of the positive things about Ryan Tannehill is that in those situations, Ryan Tannehill's rolling out, Ryan Tannehill's going to make a run for it, and he's going to at least turn that play into something. Um, This was a pretty disappointing performance from Brock Osweiler. So it comes back to the fact that this is all Gase. These are all decisions that Gase made. Now, there are hints and whispers out there, again, coming from the people of Five Reasons Sports, um, that it sounds very much like Adam Gase and Stephen Ross are pretty close, and Steve Ross has not lost faith in Adam Gase, and in all likelihood, what's going to happen at the end of this season is that Gase is going to separate himself from Ryan Tannehill, and he's going to have an opportunity to choose the future quarterback for this franchise. And whatever happens, whether that's a pick that is made this season, or, you know, quite frankly, if there's nobody in the draft that he likes this year, he's going to keep his eyes on somebody else down the line. Maybe it's, maybe it's a bringing somebody in via trade, but whatever it is, Adam Gase is getting one more, one chance to find a new franchise quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, whether it's through the draft or through a trade or some other means, they're he's getting one chance and he's going to get that chance before he is on the hot seat. So as much as there are folks on Twitter, Angry Al from Port St. Lucie saying blow the whole thing up. And I think there is plenty of reason to suggest that both Chris Greer and Mike Tannenbaum both need to go. And this is one of the things that Gase wants. Gase is in favor of having more control over personnel, player oh personnel. Oh my God, are you serious? It's something that he wants. I'm not saying he doesn't I, have enough. I mean, anybody he don't he doesn't like, he doesn't play, or he gets rid of. I'm uh, this is this is what he wants, and it sounds like I don't know whether or not he's going to get it because Steve Ross doesn't know a football from a hand grenade. Um, that leads me to believe he probably will get it. But maybe he will. But it seems like 
Ross <laughs> this leans. This guy's going to have a fucking, he's going to be a below 500 coach. And instead of getting fired or put on the hot seat, he's going to get more power. This is such an ass backwards organization. What a joke that is. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And look, if if the plan now is, well, maybe we've got, uh, we were going to draft a quarterback in this draft, but if nobody's there, well, then I get another year to draft whoever I want. Well, then two things. One, maybe it is a good idea to blow it up because you probably want to tank to get as good a draft pick as possible. Two, if you had that kind of job security, why the hell did you give Ryan Tannehill that ridiculous extension? You could have just blo- you could have just tanked this year. You could have gone in this year and said, "Hey, Brock Osweiler's our starting quarterback. We're going to go 3 and 13 and we'll have a top 3 pick." And then you draft your quarterback. Why the hell did we go into job save mode if he's got job security like that where not only is does he know he's going to be around but he's going to get he's going to get uh you know autonomy on the on on drafting and and picking up free agents or, or was he doing this was, was he sabotaging was it let's go conspiracy theory here was he sabotaging Tannenbaum and Greer were they like Hey, I think we need to draft a new quarterback. I think we just need to cut ties with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, he's got no more guaranteed money. Let's just let's just drop him and go get a quarterback. And Adam Gase said, "No, let's go all in on him. Let you guys let, let's give him an extension and restructure it. And we if we make the playoffs this year, you guys will keep your job." And he knew damn well Ryan Tannehill's not saving anybody's job. Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill's going to get these bums fired. And then they gave him the the extension, and now that's his excuse to get those guys out of town so that he gets more power and he can get the guys he wants. Is that what happened here? Because I can't make sense of it. I mean, that that is certainly a wild theory. I'm not going to lend any credence to it, but at any rate, that's where we are. I want to stress that I don't know that any of this is fact. It's just the hints and whispers that it sounds like Gase is going to get another opportunity. I don't know anything as far as what the plans are involving the front office, but at any rate, we find ourselves in a very familiar situation yet again, lamenting lackluster performances on the field and lamenting weird and awful decisions, questionable decisions by our front office. It's a, it's a sad state of affairs. Let's talk about this game as much as we can. Obviously, Huge negatives. The defense is terrible. Um, the officiating in this game was awful. I don't like to, I am not one of those people that likes to blame the officials. Um, because usually when you're blaming the officials, sort of making up for the shortcomings of your team. And instead of putting the blame where you should, you're putting it on the officials. But the officials in this game were terrible and they were terrible in both directions. I mean, their magnificent, mysterious call, um, on the defenseless center, the penalty when the Dolphins kicked their kicked what looked to be the go-ahead field goal to open the scoring, they called a mystery penalty, uh, personal foul on Houston for roughing John Denny. Um, 
And as a result, the Dolphins got a 15-yard penalty, kept the ball, took the points off the board, and ended up scoring a touchdown. But on the other side of the ball, they uh, they missed a defensive holding call on a, a pass from Brock Osweiler to Danny Amendola. He still sailed the pass, and it was ended up getting picked off. But instead of being a defensive holding penalty, it was an interception that in a few plays later resulted in the Houston Texans taking a lead, a lead that they would not relinquish in this game. Um, and that, those are just a couple of examples. They, they botched a call at the very beginning of the game on the opening kickoff for an illegal formation. And first they called it on Houston. Then they called it on Miami and they didn't know what to do. Then they called a bizarre penalty of an illegal formation penalty while Houston was kneeling on the ball at the end of the first half. Why do you call, why do you throw a flag there? There's no reason. This crew was just very, very bad. They missed a lot of other calls throughout the game. Just a, just an awful display. Um, and we know that the NFL also fired an official this week for missing a call. And so God only knows what's going to happen to this team that worked the Dolphins Texans game last night. That was, uh, truly, truly unbelievable. Uh, as far as bad officiating goes. So let's see what else was bad. The, the Dolphins defense, the officiating, Brock Osweiler was bad. Adam Gase's play calling continues to be bad. You got a fourth and inches. You decide to go for it on your opening drive. Fourth and inches. Your quarterback is six foot seven. You've had no problem running the ball the entire drive. And what do you do? You call a play out of the shotgun with an empty backfield on fourth <laughs> and two. And you throw a pass a yard behind the line of scrimmage to Frank Gore. Not Kenyon Drake, the one who's able to catch passes out of the backfield. Just horrendous decision making. And there were, there are other examples of it as well. It's like when Adam Gase finds his team in third or fourth and short yardage, that's like his Achilles heel. He has no idea what he's doing. Well, or, or if it's second and 10. I mean, but, but he does know what he's doing. Or if it's first and 10. Or if it's second and 10, you know what he's doing. He's, he's going to run the ball to Frank Gore on second and 10 because, you know, why not run the ball? Um, so Adam Gase's play calling, um, just bad stuff across the board. Xavier Howard was banged up at one point in the game, um, and sort of from towards the end of the game. And then at, at that point, from that point forward, um, suddenly DeAndre Hopkins had awoken. That had been one of the positives was that Xavier Howard had done a very good job following DeAndre Hopkins around in this game and shutting him down. Um, until whatever the injury was to him it was a minor injury because he came back into the game. But at that point on, DeAndre Hopkins sort of took off at the end. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just when, when the Dolphins lose a game like this, a second in a row, even though you expected it and it played out largely how we expected it to. Although I, I, I mean, the defense has just been a complete dumpster fire, even worse than what we expected. You would have, you would have expected that defense to at least bounce back a little bit. They didn't. Um, just really, really tough. The Dolphins defense now has allowed the opponents to score. Are you ready for this stat brain on yep. 17 of the last 26 possessions? That's two out of every three possessions in the last two and a half games that the Dolphins have allowed the other team to. It's. It's embarrassing. Um, positives, because there were a couple of positives. In spite of the fact that Brock Osweiler was ineffective, the, uh, the Dolphins scored 23 points on the road, which 
in against most, a good defense. Against a good defense, they scored 23 points on the road. In most situations, that should allow you to be in a game until the very last. And this game ended pretty early in the fourth quarter. Um, that it was pretty early in the fourth quarter that the tight, that the Texans just ran away with it. Oh, here's something else that I just remembered. Dolphins found themselves in a fourth and short down by 15 with what, like seven or eight minutes to go in the game. And offensive guru Adam Gase decides that down 15 with that much time left, the best thing to do is to kick another field goal. So he's, it went from being, a chicken. A, it went from being a two touchdown game. To also a two touchdown game. <laughs> right. I just, I don't understand the ki- that kind of decision making. It makes no sense whatsoever. But we're on the positives now. Devontae Parker was a huge positive. And whether, you know, and, th- and it is still a discussion point. It's something for us to talk about because I still think at this point you got to get rid of him. This performance was great in terms of elevating his value, and hopefully you can get yourself a third-round pick. I feel confident you could, at the very least, get a fourth-round pick for him. You got to get rid of this guy. I heard a lot of people saying, but don't you want to keep him in the hopes that he can turn in, that he can keep doing this and be an inspiration for the regular season? And I say no, because the body of evidence, the enormous body of evidence over his two and a half, three year career with the Miami Dolphins says that he cannot do that on a consistent basis. We've seen Devontae Parker be great in flashes. And that's one of the things that's so frustrating about him is because he can be great in flashes, but he cannot, he has shown no um, ability to be the consistent number one wide receiver that the Dolphins need him to be day in and day out. And at this point, Rather than it's you end up in the same situation with Devontae Parker that you are that you will be with Ryan Tannehill. Do you keep him around and then sign him to a new deal and pay him with the hopes that he's eventually going to turn it around when there has been no sign that he's going to? Or do you just get rid of him and let him be somebody else's problem? And I, I think at this point, I just think it would be foolish to put any more faith in Devontae Parker than has already been given to him. And quite frankly, as we've seen from Adam Gase, he doesn't seem to have a whole lot of faith in Devontae Parker either. And if if we're talking honestly now, I think you're really looking at a situation where you want to get what you can for Devontae Parker as opposed to cutting him and not getting anything for him. If It seems like Devontae Parker and Adam Gase's relationship is beyond repair, so let's ship him out. We got, he showed that he's capable of quite a bit in this game. Let some other team put long-term faith in him, not the Miami Dolphins who have already done that and been burned already. Um, Jason Sanders is good. Well, We've got a kicker. Yeah, I would, I would say on Devontae Parker, um, the situation there with Parker is that it, it would seem like the, the, they've got two options if they keep him. If they keep him through the trade deadline and he finishes the season with the team, they've got two options. He's he's under contract for another year at $9 million with and it's not guaranteed. So they could cut him. Um, Well, actually, so I guess they have three options because they could cut him. They could let him play out his contract year at $9 million. That's probably the least likely scenario. Or what you can do is you can extend him. And bring down that that cap number, um, which he may not agree to, but or he might because when you look at his body of work and the fact that he's never proven anything, um, 
you know, if you, if you change that $9 million one year deal to like a three year deal worth $18 million, I mean, he might be stupid not to take it because who's, who else is going to give him that deal right now based on his body of work? I I don't know. There might be a team. I, I guess it depends how he finishes this season, but what I saw in that game I saw the best receiver on the Miami Dolphins roster. Yeah, that's and that's the thing that I said is so it made the entire situation that much more hilarious that he played that well in this game. Because I'm not just talking the best healthy receiver on the roster. I'm adding Albert Wilson and adding Kenny Stills. Those guys do not have the ability that Devontae Parker has and showed last night. And there were a couple of throws because he was targeted nine times and he had six catches for over 130 yards. And yes, one of them was that really fluky, crazy catch where Jakeem Grant went up and got the got took a hit as he was coming down. The ball was dislodged from him, went off the defender's helmet and then bounced about 15 yards downfield right into the hands of Devontae Parker. And I realized that that was a fluky, fluky catch. But. He had a couple of other ones where he flat out beat his man and Brock Osweiler missed him on what could have been a touchdown, like a 60, 70 yard touchdown. And that's Devonte Parker is the most talented receiver on this team. And should he be criticized for his sometimes disinterested demeanor? Uh, not fighting for the 50-50 balls or not fighting to break up passes when they're underthrown. Absolutely. For his work ethic, for not being able to necessarily take care of himself or fight through injuries and consistently be on the field. Yes, absolutely. They're warranted criticisms. But at some point, the head coach's job is to communicate and find the way to motivate and get the most out of his players. And Adam Gase simply doesn't seem to be able to do that. And it has never been more obvious than in the case of Devontae Parker. And you could be one of these guys that says, well, that's all on Devontae Parker. The coach cannot teach him to care. And the coach cannot teach him work ethic. And that might be true to a certain extent, but there are a lot of these guys in the NFL that have come out and have not, and and, and have had a lot of talent and have had questionable work ethics and questionable motors and have gotten with the right coaches and the coaches have gotten to them and the coaches have gotten the most out of him. And for us to be just be giving up like we were last week when he was supposedly healthy and we just didn't play him and the week before when we th- when we when he was healthy and he suited up and we only gave him one target and in spite of the fact that you know he didn't fight hard enough to to break up a pass that was horrifically underthrown and not his fault we just decided we can't play this guy anymore adam gates just gave up on him but now we're in a situation where we had to play him and we had to include him in the game plan and look what happens. This is a glaring, glaring problem by Adam Gase and it is a trend that has showed itself since his first year here that when the second guys 
show any kind of hesitation or not buying into what he wants, they're immediately in the doghouse and then they're out of here. And at some point, you've got to work with what you got. You can't just be like, well, this guy's a talented player, but he doesn't buy in, can't use him and just and just get out of here because that is what Joe Philbin did. And that is why we consistently were not talented enough to go anywhere. And Adam Gase is building the same sort of culture, if you will. Other positives. As I mentioned, the Dolphins have themselves a kicker. Jason Sanders doing a really great job. I mean, he was perfect on his kicks in this game. I mean, like talking right down the middle, no questions. Uh, And that's certainly a good thing. Then again, the Dolphins have never really... I mean, you're, you're really scraping the bottle of the barrel when you're talking about your kicking game. But, hey, it's good, right? Sanders was three for three in the game. Sure. Well, I, I mean, he missed the he missed the biggest field goal of the game the week before, so it was nice to see him bounce back. Um, but, yeah, he's he's been good. He's been he's been a solid kicker for for the Dolphins. He's good on kickoffs. He's been accurate. He, he made a game winner. Um and and he's been a solid kicker, and I would hope he's a solid kicker if you're going to use a draft pick on a kicker. Are there any other positives that you can take from this? Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake, yeah. He really has been fantastic since uh, since that fumble against Chicago. He really has sort of turned everything around, hasn't he? He's- um, I, I Look, I, I thought he had a very nice game, and he's showing – and he, what he's shown us the last two weeks – 12 carries for 58 yards – Mm-hmm. He, uh, his longest run was 12 yards and he ran for touchdown. He also had uh, two receptions for 37 yards, including the 28 yard reception from our new quarterback, Danny Amendola. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he deserves credit. Kenyon Drake has shown the last two weeks what we see in him and why we have high hopes for him, or at least had high hopes for him coming into the season. He's got big play ability both on the ground and out of the backfield as a receiver. And at cer- at a certain point, uh, that may translate translate to him getting more touches. Uh, the problem is, is you're still seeing the same thing from him a little too often, which is consistently looking to try to change fields and bounce everything, you know, outside to try to come up with the 50-yard play every single play, like thinking that he's Barry Sanders, and he's not Barry Sanders, and there may never, ever be another Barry Sanders, and it's certainly not Kenyon Drake. So he's still, you would still like to see him on a more consistent basis hit the hole, be decisive, and just square his shoulders up and go and and be a little bit more like Frank Gore. If he was, I think he'd be... Uh, you know, a three down back, but because he hasn't shown the ability to consistently do that, I think he's kind of in the role where he is, where the two kind of split carries, uh, but he is your pass catching back and he is your third down back. And that's fine. Uh, But it's not, I don't want to heap praise and say that he has turned it all around. Because if you remember in last week's game against Detroit, Before the play, right before he had the long touchdown run, he also dropped what could have been about a 30 yard completion. So he he still has problems and issues in consistency, but he's certainly moving in the right direction and he's showing that explosiveness that 
we were really hoping to see. And it makes him a dangerous weapon, a weapon that the Dolphins really need right now, considering all of the injuries on offense. And if they end up trading away Devontae Parker, uh, then, yeah, you really need Kenyon Drake at that point. Yeah, I think Kenyon Drake is certainly one of those guys that the Dolphins are going to, if they, I, I feel like the Dolphins find themselves at a cross, crossroads at this point in the season. Um, obviously, tanking for the people who are involved in the day-to-day activities of coaching and playing football, those people are never going to look at this and say, we need to tank because from where they are sitting, those players and those coaches, they are sitting in a place where this team is four and four. And while from a fan's perspective, an outside observer can look at this and say the odds of the Dolphins going six and two the rest of the way, which is basically what they're going to need to do in order to make the playoffs is very unlikely. Those coaches and those players believe that this team is capable of doing that, and they're going to do everything in their power every day to try to get them there. However, the front office might view things differently, and it is that's what it that's what their job is to do. Their job <laughs> is to step. I mean, ideally, if they if you've got a competent front office, that's what their job is to do. Their job is to step back and look at this situation and say. What is the best thing for our franchise to do in order for us to become a winning franchise? And maybe that's taking a look at some of the big contracts that you have and finding ways to free up money for the future. So maybe what you need to do is think about trading a Devontae Parker. Think about trading a guy like Cam Wake, which seems, which would have seemed unheard of a couple of years ago. But now you look I, at- I was calling for it a couple of years ago. I mean, you look at what the Dolphins are paying him and what he's producing, and it just doesn't make sense. So why not go send Cam Wake to a team that could use him right now and might be able to be a winner right now and save yourself some money? Because, and, and quite frankly- while it's probably a step down as far as uh, when you think of like, I don't even know, analytics or whatever. But the, when you look at what Cam Lake is producing right now, it's hard to be a step back from that. I mean, the way this defense is performing, it's hard for it to get much worse. So I think you can go ahead and trade a guy like Cam Wake. I think there are other pieces of this team that you can shop and that you can get rid of in an attempt to sort of free up some space and free up some money for the future. And all the while, those players and those coaches are going to do everything in their power to try to win now. And that's what they've got to do. And maybe Adam Gase says, hey, we need to fire Matt Burke right now. Um, and that's, you know, he's sort of his call to make. If, if that's something that they need to do, then that's something that he feels they need to do. Where I'm sitting from, I'm like, <laughs> as Because I, I look at this team and I go, this is not a playoff team. I feel very much the way I did at the beginning of the season is where I thought this is not the playoff team. And if this team somehow does sneak into the playoffs, you're probably looking at a first round loss. And that doesn't help anybody because the goal isn't to get into the playoffs. The goal is never to get into the playoffs. The goal is always to win the Super Bowl. And this is not a team that is going to win the Super Bowl. So I mean, from where I'm sitting, I'm like, I would not mind if the Dolphins kept Matt Burke as the defensive coordinator for the rest of the season, because in all likelihood, keeping Matt Burke in there probably means this team is going to lose more games, which is 
not to say that I'm cheering for them to lose, but losing more games is one of the things that's going to help this team right now build in the future. Winning games and ending up with a 7-9, and 8-8 record is not something that's going to help this team. And that's been the curse of this organization forever. If you've been a Miami Dolphin fan over the past two decades, you've lived in this constant state of mediocrity. The same old Dolphins finishing seven and nine or eight and eight. And that's what we are. And that's what we do. And it's so, so difficult to build a team for the future when that's what you're doing because you're not drafting high enough. And when you're finishing in that point, place, you always, you're always starting the next season thinking you're much closer than you actually are. So you end up making personnel decisions that while they may theoretically help you in the present, they hurt you down the road and then they end up not working out in the present and you find yourself, it's a, it's a never ending cycle. And so it's just, I think where I'm sitting right now is this team finds itself at four and four at the halfway point of the season. The best thing to do is to start offloading some pieces, see what you can get for them, trade Devontae Parker, maybe trade a guy like Cameron Wake, get rid of a few pieces, get what you can for them so that you can continue to build for the future. Because this team in 2018, your 2018 Miami Dolphins at very, at the very best at this point, as I look at them, if they somehow miraculously turn things around and sneak into the playoffs, this is a team that is losing on the road on wildcard. Yes. And you would like your front office to look at it that way and have a long-term view. But here's the problem. We just said at the beginning of this show, on one of the very first rants about how Mike Tannenbaum and Chris Greer might get fired. So while it definitely behooves the Dolphins organization in the long term, if they look at this and they say, let's offload any pieces that we don't plan on bringing back and that we don't plan on being here for the next two or three years and get back what you can for them, if that makes this team tank, that's absolutely great. That's absolutely the right thing to do for the organization. But those guys would essentially be firing themselves. And this is the problem because they don't have a long-term view ever. And if they had a long-term view two years ago, if they had a long-term view coming into this year, if they hadn't given Ryan Tannehill that extension and the expectations were, Look, we just want to see what we've got. Obviously, we want to win games and we want to see improvement, but we don't have any delusions about who we are. If we go 6 and 10, but we have young pieces and we're building and we've managed our cap situation and we could get better the next year and then all of a sudden we find ourselves with a with a quarterback to build around, then we can really start to go into that mode where it's like, all right, uh, you know, if we add a piece here, a piece there, maybe we can be a Super Bowl contending team in the next two or three years. But we have not been close to that in a long time. I mean, I can't remember the last time I felt like this team was close to being a Super Bowl contender. I I, I really don't. I, I would I would I would say you have to go back to I guess the Jay Fiedler years when at least you had a defense that was elite and you had a hope when you had Ricky Williams 
I guess you'd have to go all the way back there. And that was like 2003. So we're talking like 15 years since we felt like we're arguably uh, a Super Bowl contender. And the, the funny thing, the ironic thing about that is that that team didn't even make the playoffs because they choked it every December. Um, but you're never going to get that long-term view if you go into every year trying, scraping and clawing to get to nine or ten wins, making moves that mortgage your future because you're trying to get to nine or ten wins. Like, that's some ultimate goal because the GM that they have or whoever's the head of their player personnel is constantly not thinking about winning a Super Bowl five or six years down the line. They're just thinking about how do I save my job for the next two years? And that's just, and, and that's really unfathomable considering the, the biggest critique of the owner, Stephen Ross, over the past several seasons. And there's been critiques in the past when he first took over and he had the whole orange carpet and all these celebrities and he drove Bill Parcells out of town with that nonsense. But the biggest critique of Stephen Ross over the past few years is that he's too loyal. And then he gives these guys too much job security. So if you've got all this job security, why are you constantly doing your job like you're in job save mode? It does not add up. It does not make sense. And if that's the case, I, I got to agree with, with Angry Al. Just, just blow it up. And, and I'm not saying blow it up as in like get rid of, you know, your young players. But guys like Cam Wake. I mean, they could have traded Cam Wake a couple of years ago. I mean, was anybody under the delusion that this team was going to win a Super Bowl? You know, two years ago, when you had Cam Wake at playing at, a, at an elite level, did you think, hey, if we hang on to Cam Wake, we might win a Super Bowl in the next three years? No. Nobody in their right mind thought the Dolphins were going to win a Super Bowl in three years with when Cam Wake was playing at an elite level. You probably could have gotten like a first round pick or maybe two seconds for Cam Wake a couple of years ago. What are you going to get now? Maybe a third? I mean, so there's another mistake. But yeah, I would offload whoever you feel probably will not be on this team in the next couple of years. So if that's Cam Wake... TJ McDonald, Devontae Parker, although I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a tricky one because I don't trade Devontae Parker if all I'm getting is a fourth round pick right now. I let him play the season out. And if this guy somehow turned a corner, um, then I, then I, I extend him and give him a, a couple more years and give him a very manageable cap number. Um, and if he doesn't, then you, then you cut him. And it's like, okay, well, what did you give up for, uh, for that experiment? A fourth round pick? Whatever. Whatever. I mean, if you get a third round pick, maybe. But anybody, anybody that you feel is not going to be helpful to this team in the next two or three seasons that's going to help them build towards being a championship contender should be expendable. And you should get what you can because these draft picks have value. Because even a third round pick, if you got two third round picks, hey, maybe you can parlay that into a second round pick. Or maybe if you pick well in the third round and the Dolphins have done a reasonable job with their third round picks, um, you know, may, you might get two starters out of that. Uh, and, and that's what this team needs. This team needs more impact players. They've added a couple. 
It, it's nice to see Minka Fitzpatrick and the impact that he makes. It's nice to see uh, Xavier Howard turning into an upper echelon corner in this league. Uh, it's nice to see Laramie Tunsil playing at a high level and Juwan James, for all his foibles, be a, a pretty good right tackle. There are some pieces on this team that it makes sense to build around, but there are also a lot of pieces that are just very expendable and if you can get something for him, by all means, because this team is not going anywhere this year. I look at this team and I say, uh, you know, at best, they're probably going eight and eight. Maybe if they pull off that that uh, that every other year home victory against New England, but they beat New England at home last year. So they're due for to get blown out this year. You know, maybe they go nine and seven. But I look at this team and I say they're they're. They're probably at best going eight and eight, at, you know, at this point. They're probably going to finish seven and nine. So they're not going anywhere. And like you said, even if they miraculously turned it around and made the playoffs, that's not really helping anything because they're not winning the Super Bowl. Exactly right. And so we'll wrap up this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show by me asking you, Brain, if you could, if you had to describe this team in three words, what would they be? Same old Dolphin. You can follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. I'm at Amplified to Rock. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. You can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins, and give us a like over there. We are also now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. So make sure you head over to DolphinsTalk.com every day and check out all the latest columns and podcasts over there. And don't forget to, if you haven't done so yet, I'm asking you now, as I record this on my birthday, my 39th birthday, I am asking you to take some time out of your day as a birthday present to me to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and give us a nice positive review and help some other friends discover the same old Dolphin Show. That's what I'm, that's what I'm asking you to do. Uh, if, you, if you're interested at all in giving me something for my birthday person on the internet, uh, that that's what I'm asking for. Um, and then, of course, we're also on SoundCloud. You can follow us and get every episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show over there on our SoundCloud page as well. That is going to wrap us up. So we will be back early next week to preview. Well, maybe, maybe it'll be later in the week. We'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll do a Jets preview show and maybe we'll do a halfway through the season awards show, a quick little special episode or something like that um, to put in your earballs uh, early in the week. But we'll definitely be back at some point next week to preview a home game against the disgusting, horrible, no good, very bad New York Jets, a team that we've just grown to hate and despise with a fiery passion. The same passion that drives us to watch the Miami Dolphins week in and week out, even though they do to us so often what they did to us last night and over the past couple. Um, but we love the team, and that's why we stick with them, and hopefully you do too, and you, hopefully you will stick with us here on the same old Dolphin show. But until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!